welcome to the second episode of Tete Tete. Today we're going to talk about the problematic issues with leading a family devotional life. This is Jean-Pierre, and with me is my wonderful wife, Tina. To start us off, Tina is going to educate us on what a devotional life means. Um, how we can, just as a family, be better about our devotional life. You know, and that includes our prayer life, our participation in the Mass. Not just for us personally, but especially how we lead the kids to do that. You know, yeah. how do we how do we model that for the kids? How do we direct the kids? How do we guide them? How do we encourage them? You know, how do we get them to do that? And and we can talk about why that's important along the way. <laughs> the troubling thing I've seen with the kids is usually the lack of participation, and that's something that's common. You know, teenage years. Yeah, bored. It seems like it's really routine, but I see that in oh. our parish too. Well, you see that in a lot of people. Right. So, but the important thing is, like, how do we prevent that when our kids, you know, our family, we want to stand, we want to, you know, not, not be like that, basically, you know, because we don't want our kids growing up and being adults who that do that. Well, it's just mechanical. <laughs> so they're just going out of either some sense of obligation because they were just raised that way yeah exactly or they'll fall into this weird i'm only going to go twice a year out of obligation and it's just because that's all it's fall for appearances it's not really that's good enough yeah (laughs) i guess that's part of it okay see here's something the good enough thing you know how a lot of people think that well, I do, I do this for God. I already do this. I'm doing enough, you know. Yeah, so. I've done my duty. I've done whatever <laughs> done my I know. Duty. I've I know. Why my should kids, I have to do anything I've raised else. my kids Catholic, I, you know. <laughs> so, and, and that can be uh, on a lot of different levels. The thing is, is it, and I think that that kind of attitude is part of why the kids maybe in some ways don't want to be you know participate it's like oh I'm already here you know I'm here at mass you know I, I I'm not a bad person you know I'm you know I'm not breaking I'm not committing any mortal sins that's good enough but can we ever be good enough in yeah. God's eyes <laughs> that's the question <laughs> is that a valid premise I don't think so <laughs> I think the thing that's missing is having a personal connection with it. If you don't have that, you're not going to, in my opinion, it's just going to remain mechanical going through the motions. You have to have some sort of personal relationship with God that keeps you interested. He gives us faith, but we have to, it's not a one-way thing. He just doesn't force it down our throats. We've got to accept that. So yeah. we have to teach our kids that to develop that connection, that personal connection with God. All right. So the question is, how do you do that? You know. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things, and I can use my own experience, and that's prayer. Even though when I first started praying, I didn't think it was. I thought it was honestly yeah. a bunch of nonsense. I thought, why am I? What a waste of time. Yeah. I used to think monks in a monastery or nuns in a cloistered monastery were wasting their lives praying. <laughs> 
um, sadly, you know. It, but prayer is a powerful thing. You have to embrace that, and it does have a, a, an effect. Um, we're not always in the way that you would expect it to. God isn't, you know, I'm just going to pray for a new Ferrari and get one. I mean, God gives us what we, what we really need. It's not just material stuff, for example. But the prayer life, being more open to prayer, doing prayers, and for me, just reflecting. So if we can teach them reading things ahead of time, reflect the Mass readings, then when they oh, go right. to Mass, yeah. it just means something, something more. Yeah. Right? That's why I think, see, this is where, and we're a work in progress as a family, obviously. Um and there's a lot of things we do, but there again, is that enough? You know, I don't think you can ever do enough, you know, where God's concerned. You can always do more or do better. And I think one thing that we need to improve on as a family is preparing for Mass. So you want the kids to get more out of Mass and understand, really have a connection with why they're there. So that that it will inspire them to participate in the Mass. <laughs> so that it will you know, be meaningful, not just because obviously we don't want them to come out of it with just, well, what does it mean to me? Because it isn't all about that. They also need to understand that they're doing something for God. <laughs> they owe that to God. <laughs> you know, they, but you don't want them to do that out of a sense of obligation. You want to do it out of a sense of love because they actually love God. Then that's the hard part that's because the hard right part. now it's it's I yeah. think it truly is more out of obligation. I can't speak for all the kids, but certainly for some. And I think yeah, some yeah. kids it's more natural. I think they're more naturally inclined for to that and others struggle with that, you know. And, and I think and that I has struggle. to do with different temperaments, yeah. you know, within people. Um, but the pre- preparation is key because I hope that I think that you're right. <laughs> it does help them make a connection. Help me. Because I saw when they did the readings. Like yesterday. Yeah. Just reading that Magnificat. Yeah, the meditation for the, the day. The meditation for the day that goes with the gospel reading. We read that. It talks about being humble and what yeah. that means. And we hadn't even read the gospel yet, but you yeah. know, we just read that on the way to Mass. And then we're hearing all about humility through the readings. And then... I'm assuming they all believe it was about humility. <laughs> I couldn't hear it. It was. So. <laughs> it was. It was. And I love when Father Aiden gives homilies. It just they're really to the point, and they they usually bring some insight that I haven't thought of before. But but I think that helps orient you to that because, like you were saying previously, <laughs> um, you know, you've already so it's kind of like you primed your brain. Yeah. You know, it's like oh. I'm hearing about humility again now, because I heard about it before Mass, so now I'm hearing about it again. So it kind of piques your interest yes. on some well, level. Yeah, I agree, because if you think, if, if, if you kind of open to thinking about it a little bit, then when the conversation comes up, or the, or the homily comes up, or the reading comes up, you're making, you're beginning to make connections. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the hard part, get the kids to realize that you've got to... Make a, start making connections with the words yeah. that are the God, the, the scriptures, yeah. and that takes effort on your part. And yeah. if you want, you have to want to have that. If you want to have a more meaningful relationship with God, you have to take responsibility in your own life to put forth the effort to do that. You know, we we do expose daily prayers. We always say the evening office, divine office. But I I wonder. It's more of a. It seems more of a forced thing with them, 
because it's like they'll read through you know either real quickly or it's just more of a let's just get through the reading instead of of a reflection right. and so I, I you mentioned that journaling yeah just stopping after a reading reflecting on it mm-hmm. and maybe make the kids you know they're going to think it's another chore but hopefully they they can write a, a paragraph or a few sentences on what that means to them mm-hmm. uh yeah and they might, they, are, they probably will yeah. grumble about it. But the thing is, it's still, how many things do we ask our kids to do that are good for them that they don't want to do? I mean, yeah. whatever. <laughs> they still have to do it. And they'll realize later that it was a good thing for them. And maybe not now, or a week from now, or two months from now, they're still yet, but two years from now, they may see the fruit of that. And I think once we go down that road, where they start seeing how the scripture, Holy Scriptures can impact your life and how it is related to, to you, you make a personal connection with it, then other things like the actual participation in the Mass, which is so lacking these days, right? I mean, even Father Aiden Peter was talking about that in, mm-hmm. in the last couple of newsletters. The priest up there, he extends a prayer that you're supposed to participate in. There's not, there's no, there's nothing coming back. And the reason why I mention that is because I, I always look at my kids, and Ian knows now, I always look at him. I feel mm-hmm. bad because I just, you know, <laughs> Emma, Emma does, I see the mouth moving. But there's, you know, Ian either is just like a ventriloquist who just lips doesn't move. <laughs> Or, you know, he's just not saying anything. So it's just kind of like, I have to, you know, I have to just remind him, you know, you, you've got to say the words. You can't just recite things in your brain. Yeah, you can't say, you know, recite them in your head. We're participating. The, the masses it's are like, public liturgy. It's the public prayer of, of the church. You have to say it out loud. And I mean, in a, in a sense, sweetie, like, you know, what you're saying about the, the divine office being mechanical, too. It's the same thing. Because you do the same, it's the same formula. Because we have a certain order. And same thing with the divine office, right? There's, but it's like that for a reason. Obviously, that's not the only kind of prayer that we should be doing. <laughs> Personal prayer where you're just talking to God, too. I mean, if you're not doing that on, in addition to those things, then there's something wrong. <laughs> but And, and that's, that's the part that we have less control over. That worries me, too. You know, it's... But, um, yeah, I think I hope that they, you know, the, the thing you should be starting your day out with personal prayers and ending your day with personal prayer, too. Getting back to what I was originally saying, just having that participation, it's like having a, a conversation with somebody, and one person's doing the talking, and the other person's not saying anything. Oh yeah. So when I look over, and there's just silence. So the question is, how do we get? him to participate more how do we get them to talk out loud in the mass you know well, it's engage a public their, engage their minds you know more than just getting them to participate one is yeah we need to get them to do that but also to pay attention i think that is more easily accomplished if we get them to buy into the value of why they're there <laughs> to you know and like I, like we were talking before, part of that is preparation, a better preparation for Mass. they just got to make that personal connection with Christ. I remember one of the priests at St. Michael's was telling me about that. You know, if you don't make a personal connection with God, then it's just going through the motions. Yeah. And it's very easy to fall away from the practice of the faith then because you don't... 
you never connected to it. They're drawing you towards it, you know. So, you know, it, it seems like the the Protestants have so much better at getting people to open up to that personal connection. I see that all the time in, in some of the, my friends that are Protestant. I wish the church was better at really trying to get people to establish that. Well, at least yeah. I don't think they're as good about it. I think part of the pr- reason for that is because Protestant churches tend to be small. Their congregations are small. I mean, there are mega churches out there, obviously, but most people seem to be part of a smaller parish. And a Catholic parish can be small, too, but we belong to a very large one. We're, it's virtually impossible for us to all know each other, for us to all know the you know, the priest and the priest to know everyone. I mean, it's just, there's just no way to do that because there's just too many people. And so I think in a large parish, that's not so easily accomplished on a parish level, you know, which is where it has to happen. Because beyond that, you're asking people to take personal responsibility for their faith, which they should be. And that's what we did. I mean, that's how we ended up where we are because we decided that we wanted to understand our faith better. I mean, that this whole thing really started because I decided that if I was going to raise my kids Catholic, I wanted to understand why I was doing it because I didn't want to raise my kids the way I was raised, where it was just checking off boxes, going through the rope movements, doing things, but not really knowing why we were doing it. And it didn't carry over into our lives in a general sense and and so I took it upon myself to study the faith and that's just where it started so once I started doing that you know and then I started forcing myself to pray and like you it felt weird because I didn't know how to do it and it not something that wasn't something I ever did in my life before that you know talk to God it seems weird to talk to sit there when you're not used to talk to someone you can't see right who you can't here talking back to you but you have to do it to exercise a part of your a sense of your being that you're not even aware is there you know if you just never put forth the effort to do it it's never going to happen you can't expect people to give you a magic formula for spirituality you have to take you have to take responsibility True. for that it, it it's it's difficult yeah. because there's different things that trigger that with different people it might be a certain event that occurs that forces them. It might be like you were saying, where you have children and you want to, you, you make those initial steps and then you start mm-hmm. growing into that. Yeah. With our kids, it, they're at an early age. They're at the age where they start questioning things. So it's, it's, it's a little bit harder, too, in that sense, where they're like, what am I doing this? Is this really the right way? I mean, it's just natural. You question what your parents say and do. You question mm-hmm. why you're doing things. So... Yeah. I try to I try to get them I start to think along the lines of what can I do to help them find their traction with their personal relationship with God because I think that's what's going to be like we mentioned key to getting them involved with the mass with participating in the mass with listening to the scriptures and having a, a identifying with with the things in the holy scriptures that puts them on a conversation with God you know with Christ I look back when I was a kid because I I don't know why. I think part of it was I'd gone through the orphanage that we went to. It was Catholic. 
and there were priests, and I was catechized by priests and by nuns. And I had that built into me a little bit. I think I was properly catechized. And unfortunately, you know, when my parents came and got me and got pulled out of that, which I was happy, you know, to be with, back with my parents. But the problem was that they, it was in the 70s, nobody was really, really they were all, everyone was kind of stepping away from religion as a, you know, the bad institution. Mm-hmm. And my parents were part of that, wrapped up in that whole weird mystical movement of, and it's very relativistic too. We went from one parish to another and it nothing seemed to connect. We tried all these different things at first when we first got back together and nothing, and, and we settled up, we settled on nothing, which is amazing because I, I, I now have faith my sister, my brothers, all very strong Christians, right? Maybe not Catholic, but they're very strong. And thinking back on that, seems unlikely that I would end up in this position of where I have a strong faith, being pulled out of that environment. But I still think there's a remnant of it that followed through, that I had that, I prayed, I prayed the rosary. I remember making prayers to God. My parents are kind of worried at first. <laughs> And, and unfortunately, not very encouraging on that end. I mean, they try, they supported me and loved me and, to, you know, took care of me and, and raised me in a good way. It wasn't like we were centered on Christ growing up and true values. So I, I want that for my kids where we're going to have a centered faith and a personal relationship. And I want to encourage that with them. I think they have the, the uh, basic blocks of doing that. Um, but I still think they need encouragement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the question is, how do you do that? It's one thing to say, yeah. I'm going to encourage my kids, but what does that look like in a practical sense? So. Well, I, I like the, the, the journal, them maybe writing a little bit of journal after reflecting, the meditation before we go to Mass reading that mm-hmm. a lot of it honestly just us reflecting what they should be doing right so if we're they see us doing that then they're more likely to emulate it mm-hmm. and, I don't know, that's that's my thoughts mm-hmm. so do we do that what no do they see us I mean <laughs> I know what, what they see I don't think we do very well <laughs> because for me, it's more of an internal process. I didn't think about this, but when I'm in mass and I'm th- I'm thinking things in my brain, I'm participating, right? I'm, I'm participating in 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 the prayers, public prayers, right? Mm-hmm. And we say the prayers out loud whenever we have the divine office evening prayers. We read the scriptures, we say the rosary together. Where it's a vocal thing that everyone hears, but the internal part of that in my mind, that my personal connection, my thoughts on, okay, this applies to the what I think. The scriptures touches me in this way. Jesus saying this touches me in a certain way. Meditating on the on the rosary, the different mysteries that are within that. Just it's not just me reciting the Hail Mary. I'm thinking in my mind what the mystery, whether it's the scourging of Christ. I'm thinking of the, the, the what he went through, the sin mm-hmm. that he was that he came down to die for, and just the pain and suffering he had to do for me. All that is something that's internal. It's not something that my kids can see in my mind and see what I'm thinking. So maybe there's a way to make that more transparent so that they can see my personal connection there. I don't know. I have a thought about that, about making it more apparent kind of thing. Not 
directly making your own personal thoughts apparent, which, by the way, I think you could do to some extent by having discussions about things. Like, maybe we should be having family discussions after Mass and not, you know, rushing home to, so everybody can get to whatever they want to do. Okay. Have, you know, or have breakfast or whatever, you know. I mean, I almost wish, I know this is not a cost-effective thing, I almost wish that we could just make a family tradition of after Mass, let's go out to breakfast. It doesn't have to be something fancy. Let's go out to breakfast sit around a table and talk about what we heard. You know, that could be <laughs> a good way to bribe them into... Uh, <laughs> but but it works. I mean, Ian, Ian will get up mm-hmm. with me early in the morning to go to Mass yeah, if, I, if I take him out to McDonald's <laughs> afterwards, which is right next door, right? But, but, I, but I thought, should you bribe your kids? But then we're offering them a reward, right? I, I don't see there's anything wrong with that. I think it's a no, good thing. I, I like that I, idea. I know families I like that, that do that. Like, they go to confession as a family, and afterwards they go celebrate with a treat. Because, hey, our souls are all clean. Yay, let's go celebrate. It says something theologically about what you just did, because you're celebrating. Yeah. Plus, it creates a positive association with the activity. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I personally feel I don't go to confession enough. Well, we need. I think we should go as a family. We just I, need to schedule. I usually do. I mean, I usually family. take. I usually drag in or Emma. Emma goes willingly, but I'll take them along. But I usually just I'm going with them or I'm going by myself. But if we go as a family, we're seeing each other do it. You yeah. know, and we can do something like that too. Yeah. You know, like, hey, let's go and do something now that we've all gone to confession. You know. Our souls are bright and clean again. Let's do something fun. Yeah. You know, let's go to Starbucks. Let's go get ice cream. Let's get a treat at the bakery. I don't know what, you know, whatever. It's it's an odd thing. I mean, I think just getting them involved and plugged in, I think confession... Well, it's part of our... It's, it's part, part of the connection. Of, it's part of the connecting It's all with, part of it. Though. Yeah, right. See, being, being part of the sacramental life of the church, that's all part of it. And the Mass is part of that, so... We'll have a separate podcast on how to make a, a good confession <laughs> alrighty but I, I like uh, that idea the breakfast thing and I have another uh, thought too and this one's a little more difficult to implement as you were talking I was thinking about some things that came up and you know how I've been doing a lot of reading and research on the Martin family and the way they raised their kids and obviously they did something right because all four of their daughters I mean five of their daughters grew St. up St. Teresa's became, parents yeah yeah they all grew up and became nuns and <clears throat> one's a saint and one's possibly going to be a saint yeah. and, we could all so, be and they're saints so I mean yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good model right yeah. <laughs> Catholic family and um, so I've been studying it and one of the things that stands out to me and I, this is something I think we could do better is teaching your kids a spirit of sacrifice okay so yeah so anyway one of the things that they did was really instilled a sense of a sense of sacrifice in them. And but the reason the sense of sacrifice was always connected to God's love. And from a really early age, like toddler preschool age, they started instilling that in them on how you could give presents to God and how you could, you know, every little thing encouraging them Every little suffering that they had, whether it was, oh, I can't have a piece of chocolate right now, you know, even though I, you know, want to, or I cut my finger, you know, like they lovingly, you know, comfort them, and and it's like, oh, you know what, you could, 
offer that up for so-and-so who is, you know, you offer that up for your godparents or offer that up for your neighbor who's sick or offer it up. They taught them that from a very early age. And I think what that did was it showed them that there was a give and take of love. And love is the basis for every relationship. When you think about it, there's a real relationship, personal relationship. Because when you love someone, you trust that they are going to make sacrifices for you, right? Mm-hmm. And you will willingly make sacrifices for them because you love them back. Love without sacrifice isn't actually love. So think about it. marriages with that, of, you know, if you're not willing to sacrifice for each other, that's not love. If you're not willing to sacrifice for your children, that's not love. Or for your parents or whoever it is that you love. If you don't willingly, and not just making sacrifices, outward sacrifices, but putting up with stuff is a sacrifice. Putting up with the annoying habits of whoever it is that's in your family. They were encouraged to do that from very little. There's, that's a difficult concept for people to get, even Catholics, that <laughs> suffering is always seen as something bad. I mean, there's nothing... Well, no one wants No it, one wants suffering, but right? But you can use but, it and turn it into something good. But the concept... The concept that that you're suffering, you can dedicate your suffering for the benefit of someone else, is something that just is not well understood. Yeah, it goes deep into the Catholic beginnings where you gave up, you know, like Christ. Christ, Christ's sufferings were for us. Our sufferings can mean something too. We don't choose them. It's not like I, I, yeah. I God want doesn't someone ask to, put, us to go out make me there suffer and... so I can pray for somebody yeah. else. But you have a situation maybe where you're, uh, like you mentioned, where you're putting up with some mass. You're, maybe you're, you're not in the best spot or you can't hear what's going on during the mass. So you're, you're giving, you know, you're saying, okay, I'm going through this. It could be something minor like that. It could be some major suffering that you're going through, maybe some life-threatening kind of illness. But to give that that suffering that you're that you're enduring meaning, you can say, okay, I'm, I'm suffering here. This I'm going to do for God. I'm going to offer this suffering up for to instill more faith in my kids, to help so-and-so out who's also suffering, to alleviate their suffering, mm-hmm. or to right. give them hope, or to give someone, you know, else hope in God. Yeah. You can suffer for the faith of someone, you know, you can offer it up for whatever. I mean, if you figure you're going to, you're suffering this regardless, whether you offer it up or not, you're suffering it, right? That's not going to change. So you may as well do something with it. (laughs) It's not going to make it any better by not offering it up. (laughs) Yeah, it's just, it's just a hard concept. It's hard for me to understand. And I, I just know there's, there's friends that I have that would never well, they would never get that yeah they would just see that as you know you're just trying to cope with your own suffering but it, it has oh, meaning it's I, like prayer right prayer has meaning suffering has meaning too it's hard for for someone who's like having a family member that's dying from a severe illness or in great pain and saying there's meaning to that suffering right but there is meaning to all things yeah and who knows when you Cross over the, the, through the veil into the other world. God's there. All that suffering meant something, and there is an enrichment that you receive in the afterlife from God's grace for the suffering. Because mm-hmm. God suffered too. 
I mean, yeah, that's the thing. God isn't asking us to do anything that He didn't do Himself either, and He set that example for us. So you know, we're, we're exalting ourselves highly when we think that we're too good for that, or why would God, a loving God, ask us to do that? Like, what kind of God would do that? Well, He did it. It's like you know, we were saying yesterday too. Like, He not only suffered on, on the cross, but He suffered humiliations of, of many sorts through you know His life. He chose to live you know in a poor family, and who knows the things that He grew up with in Nazareth, knowing that everyone knew that Joseph wasn't really his father, obviously. And yet he married Mary, and so they had that stigma, I'm sure, over their heads yeah. forever. And they never talk about it in the Bible, but it would be unrealistic to think that wasn't part of their life because that's the way it was back then. Village, I mean, so that was a humiliation. And just the God being God, humbling yourself. He'd humbled himself to the point where he became a baby, a helpless human yeah. being, you know. And he also humbled himself by becoming a piece of bread for us, you know, in the Eucharist that we eat. And he choose, he could have chosen lots of ways to impart grace to us. It didn't have to be that way, but that's the way he chose. So, so there, God's always sacrificing for us. And those are just the, the obvious tangible ways. I agree. Tying that back in with the kids again, they have that personal connection. I think you're right. If they see that, if they if they get that, I'm sure they get it. But I mean, making that personal well, connection here, of yeah, it's in their brain. Here. But do they really understand the the weight of it? Yeah, this God did this for me. Sacrifice is what I need to also put in part of my life. We all sacrifice. When we get married, we sacrifice each other. When you got kids. When you have kids, you're, you sacrifi- you're, you're sacrificing your time, your, your energy. I know I get pay- unpatient and frustrated mm-hmm. with the kids because there's, there's things that, you there's know, a thousand there's things you want to do or things, you yeah, have to make. things that you want. Yeah. Oh, gosh, I wish we could do this. But, you know, you just can't because logistically it's impossible or we can't afford it or there's some other mm-hmm. you know, reason. You've, you've, you've chosen a path and that's part of the sacrifice. That you make, there's benefits too, but I mean, you're you're sacrificing things. Even when in marriage, you know, it's it's not always fifty fifty. Sometimes it's ninety ten. One person's giving more, way more than the other, and vice versa. You have to be open to yeah sacrificing that. It's sacrificing cheerfully that I have a problem with. Yes, many people have that problem. I know I do too. <laughs> so the but but the other key thing about that though that that their family did was that the parents constantly modeled that they didn't just tell the kids hey they did it themselves and the children saw it's it's interesting to me because like the mom she would indulge they would almost spoil the girls in some ways you know they like always made sure they had treats and they they had things you know they were a middle class normal middle class family they had money so like they were ever poor too poor for anything but um, but so they had treats and things. But they would see, like Teresa would notice, they'd come home from Mass on Sunday, and they, or I don't know, just daily Mass. They'd have their nice lunch. But her mother would stand in the kitchen and have a, like a bowl of soup or something. So she would, they were just little sacrifices. She would stand instead of sit, and she would have something simple and not have the big meal that everyone else was having. And that struck her. You saw that example. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that we could be better about that. Yeah. And I, I know I need to, to be better about setting an example of sacrifice for my kids. Yeah. 
Oh. Yeah, it's it, it doesn't have to be making an announcement. I'm making a sacrifice. Oh, she didn't but, say anything. She yeah. just did it, and they but, saw yeah, her do it. Visually showing that. <laughs> so the kids see and recognize what you're doing. Right. Without you having to, you know, I'm, I agree with you. You can still do that without making a big announcement. Yeah. Watch me sacrifice. Well, I mean, it can be, there are, and I don't do a good enough job of this. I know I don't. But there are lots of opportunities, like at meal times, when you want to have that second helping of whatever Italian chili, but so does one of your kids, and there's only enough for one. You don't make, you don't sit there and say, "Oh, I wanted to have it," but you go ahead. Don't even say you wanted it. Just, just say, yeah. "Go ahead." I've had enough. <laughs> that kind of thing, or. When they interrupt you and you're in the middle of something that you're doing, instead of getting mad, and I, I you know, I do that too. So, you know, when you're, you're focused on your work or whatever, your task or whatever it is, and they want your attention, even if it, sometimes it's a good reason, but sometimes it might not be a good reason. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, is it good enough to, to, does that take priority over your kids coming to you and asking you for yeah. something? You need to respond with patience and yeah. gentleness. Um, you're setting an example yeah. of sacrifice for them. You're making a sacrifice for them because it's not convenient for you. And so they see, they hopefully will see that. Those are good things. I like. I like the fact that we're maybe having them reflect more by reviewing meditations. The daily meditation before we go to, on the way to Mass. Making a point to reflect or maybe even journal during, after spirit or scriptural readings. Modeling more by just showing sac- that we sac- make little sacrifices so they can see that we're actually doing that. Encouraging them to make sacrifices? I don't know. I, I kind of like the way that they put it where they talked about... Um, making presents and we give presents to well, they just called it that instead of that you know do you want to make a present for God you can do this for God yeah. and so in some ways that's easier for a child to understand than the concept of making a sacrifice they understand giving presents especially with Tessa it'd be more of a understanding of that mm-hmm. me and Emma obviously yeah. they're all they're teenagers they're, they're capable yeah. of comprehending well, suffering yeah I mean, I'm already sacrifice talking to her about that, though, with that in mind, just to, to get the dialogue going, to get that going with her. We seem so much more prepared with Tessa than we did with Ian and Emma, certainly Joni. We were just at a different spot with all of them. I mean, even when Ian and Emma were little, we weren't going back to church yet, really. not until they were about five. They probably don't really remember when we didn't go to church, but we didn't... It, you know, because we were at such a different... We were still learning ourselves as we were yeah. raising them. It's a little different situation. And now we have yeah. a lot more... It was real baby steps with Joni when she was young. Um, we were just coming into the faith. Yeah. Just beginning to have a... Yeah. When uh, she made her first communion. Yeah. was when we st- really started um, putting forth the effort to to become knowledgeable about our faith and practice it. And that kind of a weird twist. So it's it's kind of like we're trying to get our kids more com- committed and understand better understanding of their faith. But really, it was our kids that 
started this whole thing by bringing us into the process oh, of yeah. turning back to the church <laughs> with Joni. Yeah. Thank you, Joni. <laughs> <laughs> it's process, and that's the frustrating thing, mm-hmm. is that I think we can foresee in the future, hey, this is where I am. Why aren't my kids here with me? They're growing up. So you can't expect them to be on the same journey. And I shouldn't expect the kids to be right on board with where we are. Yet. Well, plus but they're kids. So they're they're developing who they are. You know, there's different things going on with them than with us. Because we're adults, or, you know. We're yeah. fully formed in who yeah. we are. And, and of course, we're <laughs> and they're not, too. But so not, nothing like they yeah. are with their... So it's a different kind of thing for yeah. them. I think yeah. these things will help them, plug them in more to have that, having a personal relationship, engaged in the Mass, mm-hmm. Yeah, living the faith. Yeah, I think we need to, yeah, we need to be more proactive about meditative thinking before and after Yeah, everything. Meditative thinking before and after, um, during our divine office prayers, and living an example which is yeah. hard. It's hard for yeah, me to do Yeah, setting the example yeah. Of, of loving sacrifice. Yeah, loving sacrifice. That, I don't mind the sacrifice, thing. but being cheerful about it, being showing that it's a real Well, that's okay. hard. That's definitely hard. But, you know, baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> First, got to make the sacrifice. Then you can be cheerful about it. <laughs> you can work on that part later. <laughs> I think we're probably going to wrap things up. Alrighty. You know, I don't. I don't know if we should ever end these on a prayer, or if we should just we just let it fade into music. Usually, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, I we shall have to think about that one. <laughs> yeah, let's think about that a little bit before we next time we sign off. We might try something a little bit different. As we're, this is all evolving too. But thank you for doing this, sweetie. Mm-hmm. I feel good about it every time we do it, and I've always felt good about our conversations. I've always mm-hmm. felt good about our our conversations that we have uh, when we get them. Mm-hmm. You know, having to record some of this for for the kids to listen to, I think is a good thing too. 